Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, back. Uh, he was ignoring me for like four days, five days while uh, he was out helping with our U.S. Open coverage. Jay Posner, sports editor. Jay, welcome back uh, to the Padres beat. Uh, just in time for Padres Dodgers round two. Because the, the first seven games, even though it was two series, felt like one continuous, just sensational series. Yeah, I was just refreshing my memory, trying to get golf out of the brain. Although I did try to keep, I did keep, didn't just try to I keep up. I did keep up with the Padres and didn't get to watch as many uh, as many of the games as I had hoped, but caught caught some of it here and there, and uh, certainly uh, read our fine coverage from you and uh, from and Jeff Sanders filled in for you uh, for a couple of days after the after the road trip. So. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was quite a seven game series that these teams played. Uh, as as I looked back at it uh, over those ten days, and just some amazing games uh, that were that were played. And I mean, the first game and the last game both went into extra innings, and each team won one of those games. And I mean, we can go back. We'll we'll go back later and look, kind of go over what what happened in those games. But it was crazy. And and also, I I would think that. Uh, Padre fans would be feeling a little better about the team. Uh, we, we did not do a show on Thursday as we normally would have, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure what we would have said at that point after, after a sweep by the Rockies, and it would have felt like kind of Groundhog Day with the way this team was going. But turned it around against the uh, against the Reds, and the Reds had been playing well when they came in here. I mean, they hadn't – I don't think they'd beaten anybody good, but they were over 500, and, and uh, I think it just swept the Rockies, who, of course, had just swept the Padres – so where do you want to start? You want to start with the weekend and how the Padres yeah. sort of turned things around a little bit? What was the... Yeah, I think that's what, important. What did, you, and what did you see this weekend? The, I guess the big thing Thursday night was the game where it almost was a disaster. Mark Melanson with an awful ninth inning and then the Padres with an incredible comeback with the two home runs by Hosmer and Caratini to win the game. And I don't think either one of them... I know I wasn't there and I don't think you were there either. Thursday, but you probably heard the cheers way up where you live from uh, from a packed from a packed Petco on Thursday night. Well, I was still out of town, uh, spending a couple of days with, with with family. But yeah, that was. Uh, and here's what's remarkable about that: you know, Melanson, or I think I don't know if remarkable, but uh, good for the Padres. Melanson gave up the four runs, and you know what? He hasn't been untouchable of, of late, and yet. Mm-hmm. He got saved in the last two games. Uh, right. So, right. you know, he, he bounced back in addition to the Padres bounced back. And, of course, it's easy to say afterward, but they pointed to that, the, the comeback, the home runs, the crowd as mm-hmm. sort of energizing them through the weekend. And I will tell you, Jay, that, you know, it was as good as you're going to see for a Red Series. That's for darn sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the Reds had beat the the Brewers, who um, had momentarily right. overtaken the Padres in, in uh, you know record. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we keep an eye on the playoff chase, you know, with only whatever 85 games to go. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I mean, I really think that obviously they hit better. You know, mm-hmm. they slugged better. They pitched pretty well. They played. Almost flawless defense. So let's go ahead and say that those are the reasons they swept the Reds. 
but the crowd, the energy, and this is a team that feeds off energy. And, and I think both you and I are careful to use the word splat because, you know, we, we, uh, we've spent a lot of time watching teams that, that don't perform and, and they look flat. Well, I think this team was flat and I think that the crowd really got them. Jay, I, you have watched more baseball at Petco Park than I have, but uh, as an in-person, you have done that over many mm-hmm. years. And, but the Hassan Kim home run, after his name was being chanted, the crowd of 38,000 on a Saturday night, this isn't a team with a, a, a great lore of, of fantastic moments. <laughs> it's just not. Right. I think that moment has to be up there in, in Petco Park, Moments, and especially if this team ends up, you know, going to the playoffs, making a run in the playoffs, and you look back at when they were struggling and how they'd blown a lead in that game, and he responds seconds after the chant had sort of died down. That was incredible. While you were saying that, I was thinking, well, obviously the Thursday night moments would be up there as well because you know they were they were going to lose at that point. Sure. Uh, when Hosmer homered and and to tie the game. Um, Saturday night's game was tied when that happened. But one thing that does help make the Kim moment special was why he was even in the game in the first place, which (laughs) is the one reason to be concerned about, you know, what we saw over the weekend was Fernando Tatis Jr., of course, going out of that game after diving for a ball and, you know, pop. I don't know if his shoulder popped out or jammed it or exactly what happened. I know he hasn't he hasn't talked since then, so we don't know exactly what he's going to say uh, about what he did to his shoulder, but it forced him out of the game. So Kim was in for that, and of course, it's big for you know a guy to come through like uh, like that. And he j- he seems so popular with the other players, you know, and especially a guy like Machado, who he is that kind of treats him like a a little brother, even though they're probably the same age, you know. But still, I mean, there's that sort of brotherhood that they have, and. And Kim seems to be very popular in the dugout, and that was a great moment to to watch. And and obviously, the one thing I do want to say about the crowd, and and you know, the Padres had looked a little flat, obviously, during this stretch. Whether they were flat or just not playing well, right. the crowd picked picked them up. I will yeah. say they went thirty they went thirty seven and twenty three last year with no fans at Petco. So it's great to say, yeah, the crowd really picked us up, but. Yeah, you know, you guys played last year with no fans and you did pretty well. So whatever you were doing then, maybe go back to sort of relying on that a little bit and not just the crowd. But look, if, to show appreciation for the crowd is a great is a great thing. And it did sound quite lively there. And I'm looking forward uh, to getting out to a couple of the Dodger games this week. And it should be crazy for those. So yeah, I, the relationship between the fans and the players seems to have grown the connection. Mm-hmm. Look, let's be right. honest. I mean, and this isn't, a, this isn't a slam. This is just simple candor here. It's San Diego. The team has not been good. Petco Park is a fantastic place to go. We're talking about moms uh, taking the, the Little League team. Uh, a great place to go to uh, a drink beer. Uh, I have been around all the ballparks. Uh, not that I sample all the fare, but the food is fantastic at Petco. Mm-hmm. 
Again, the team has sucked. Uh, the connection between the or the engagement of, of right. the fans has not been as high as it has been this year. This year has surpassed most years, and and that that and I have been going to games for a long time. Sure, uh, no, this is this has been fantastic, and so the engagement and the fact that they were appreciating this guy, this substitute, and I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, they're starting to appreciate his defense. Uh, the fans, you can tell that they are, right. and and I've just been kind of uh uh they're really impressed uh, by the engagement that's the word that i'm using of the fans this year i i I really think it's cool i I agree and we talked about it at the beginning of the year when the fans first came back and even though there were only what like 10 10, for the first uh part of the season or twelve thousand, then they upped it to 15 whatever the totals were but it was small a much smaller crowds but we talked about that first i think it was the first weekend um or the first set of games and certainly against the Dodgers where the crowd was so into the game and it, it felt different than it often does there. And for good reason. I mean, the team has the teams over the past so many years, 15 years, basically with the exception of, you know, bits and pieces of a couple of years have not given people a reason to really engage. And I, and I think people, the fans here are so into this team because they, they so want, and to enjoy something and have and be able to to cheer the teams that they haven't been able to cheer for so long, and so it's really kicked it's kicked it up a bit. And and I'm sure I mean it was it was crazy for the Dodger series the first time, and now you're going to have like you know four three or four times as many people there this week, and and so I can only imagine you know what it's going to sound like uh, over these next uh, and regardless few nights at Petco. Regardless of the makeup of the crowd, it is going to be, uh, you know, really intense. I'm, I'm, I'm positive of it. Uh, oh, but let's yeah. talk just for a second before we move on. You know, it was a lot easier to have a vast majority of Padres fans when it was only season ticket holders and, and there was a limited right. capacity. And that was one thing that stood out is there were not, relatively speaking, that many Dodgers fans at the first series. Tonight right. will be interesting. Tonight will yeah. be interesting. No, I think it will, and, and I would expect Dodger fans to be there. I mean, I of course I don't take I don't take that as a. I, I know there's people who want to say, "Oh, the San Diego fans, you know, don't care." I mean, look, this is a destination type place, and not yeah. just for people to come to. We've talked about before, not just for people to come to for a few days, but people who live here, people that have moved from from other places. Um, you know, our producer was just talking to me before we came on the air about. I won't say where he's from. It's not in California, but it was a place where he said, boy, I could not wait to move to San Diego. And and I think there's so many people like that who have said, I can't wait to move to San Diego. And so, but they, it doesn't mean they become Padre fans because just like Padre, the Padres go on the road and you, you've seen them this year. A lot fans more. Or in other, other places. Those are, those aren't people who have just made the trip. Those are people who live there now. Uh, in Chicago or or New York mm-hmm. or wherever, and they they're now proud to to sport the colors of the uh, of the Padres, whereas maybe before it wasn't it Jay- wasn't like that. But I I think that's the case now, where you're going to have Dodger fans there this week, and you're you know well, I was going to say the next series you're going to have Diamondback fans, but I don't want to get carried away. <laughs> Wait, although oh, look, anything to get out of Arizona. You know, we know that we know that, but man, that's a bad team. Anyway, uh, but great point, and and because I have so much time on my hands, I have been thinking about that that uh, going and talking to some of these fans because it in in other cities because it has been remarkable 
Uh, first off, you know it more now because they're actually they're wearing brown, uh, exactly. but they're dressing up. They, they're dressing up. Uh, there were these guys in Friar outfits in Houston. Uh, people have mm-hmm. swag chains, not just in San Diego, but they've found them. They order them online. Uh, I guess that's the thing you can do now. The kids do is order things online. Uh, they, <laughs> it, you know, you're in you're in uh, Chicago. People have swag chains, uh, and, and you're at Wrigley Field. You're at Dodger Stadium. You're all these places where you're at. You're at uh, City Field, places where, come on, you would see like two to Padres fans, right. and there are plentiful <laughs> to the point when something good happens, you can actually hear a cheer like you do almost like you do at Petco, like when the Cardinals are here or something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we do. We, uh, you know, people, fans of San Diego teams, you're at a disadvantage uh, because this is a great place to go. I mean, look, there's only one reason to go to St. Louis, and it's uh, to watch sports. <laughs> um, so to see the to see the arch and then leave to drive through. Right. Oh, there's the arch. Um, <laughs> nothing against the fine people of, of St. Louis and their fried ravioli. This hot lava Padres podcast segment is brought to you by Jack Powell Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram, located in Escondido and serving the San Diego community for over sixty years. Are you waiting for a great reason to buy a new car? How about because, um, baseball? So what is a great opening day special? How about 0% APR for 48 months on new 2021 Ram 1500s, Dodge Chargers, Jeep Compass, and Jeep Grand Cherokees? That's a great reason and a great deal. But do you also need a great place? That's easy. Come to Jack Powell Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Escondido, San Diego, where we make shopping easy. Find these deals during the Ram Spotlight Sales Event. So here come the Dodgers, Jay, and the Padres, like you said, are, are playing better. And and one thing I want to point out, Jay, we didn't get to talk about this. I was so I was in the Denver airport working on the newsletter, and I uh, you know got this thing called tidbits. It's my favorite part, little stat things. And so I'm working on, and I know Manny Machado has been hitting better. And I go over, oh, all right, cool, look at this. All right, nine games. All right, I knew it. Okay, yeah, good. Eight seventy OPS over the previous nine games at that point. Eh. Jay, that was his best nine-game stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, earlier in the day, I'd made this list of five things of why the Padres were struggling that I'd put in the paper. Well, by the time a much extended list got in the newsletter, it was six because I was embarrassed to have not known just how poorly Manny Machado was playing and how much he had let down this team. A nine-game stretch by Manny Machado by June should be like 1,300. He should have a nine-game stretch in which he has six home runs. Why? Because he's making $30 million, and he's the best player on this team, all right? I I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the most dynamic. He will be the best, but Manny Machado is the highest paid and the guy who you absolutely count on. Jace Tingo has been talking about it since April. You absolutely count on Manny Machado going on a 12-15 game stretch where the other team, everybody in the ballpark, the Padres are elevated by it because you know he is going to smoke the ball every time or they're going to pitch around him. And that hasn't happened. Now, it's now 979 OPS over the last 13 games, so it mm-hmm. does appear that Manny Machado is approaching uh, that first stretch of games in which he is Manny. Um, so there you go. And he's the one thing that, he, that never seems to go away is his defense. Oh, gosh, um, it's which amazing. Is just, it, it really is, and it, it just he seems to get better, actually, uh, defensively, which doesn't really seem possible, And it's but he's been fantastic uh, 
with the glove all year. And and you're right, it's so big for this team when he can get going with the bat. Um, we should talk about Tatis. What, yes. Uh, what can you say about what's been going on and what happened Saturday? And it sounded like yesterday he was going to come. He might might have come up and pinch hit. Um, no. You wrote that he that he's likely to be back tonight. So w- what's the word about uh, his condition right now? I really do think as much as we've become accustomed to maybe not being told the truth and, and silence, uh, silence this year is unbelievable from all around the league. Uh, but it appears that it was precautionary. And, and I think that the, the mood around this uh, incident where uh, he kind of jammed his left shoulder diving for a ball is night and day from April or kind of like the mood that when he was coming back where, you know, it, it still is. It's it, this what happened was inevitable that that, right. that he and we talked about that quite a bit, that, that there was going to be a time where, look, you it's baseball. No matter how careful you are, something's going to happen. Well, look, he went 49 games with no incident really whatsoever. And he's been so in control uh, on the field. You see him out practicing certain ways to backhand and reach and put that shoulder uh, and, and his swing. And so the mood right now is like, no, look, all right, we've got this thing under control. That was something to be very careful about and going to pick up where, where he left off. But it was a reminder, Jay, that that this thing's there. Right, right. And and it's probably going to happen again because that – and the thing is, that's not the first time we've seen him dive like that or even close no. to the first time. But obviously right. it's – there are times where it's just the way he's going to land or the way the shoulder yep. is where something – is going to happen. He's going to he's going to feel it, and I would be shocked if we didn't see it happen again. And hopefully, when it does, it's something like this, where it's okay. Give him, you know, he needs a break, even if it's a couple of days or whatever, and then uh, he's back out there. And and certainly, if there's a guy you want in the lineup against the Dodgers, based on the last time that the Padres and Dodgers played, it would be Fernando Tatis, who only hit five home runs in uh the last what through the last three games there in uh in la starting starting with two on that on that friday night against uh kershaw who will pitch tomorrow night's game and then two more the next night against trevor bauer who will pitch wednesday's game uh tonight it's julio Arias for the dodgers you darvish for the padres and darvish has pitched well really well in both games uh, against the Dodgers, he kind of beat himself in the uh, in that one game uh, with hmm. uh, with Kershaw with the inability to get Kershaw out. Uh, but at least he doesn't have to face Kershaw tonight at the uh, at the plate. But I, I think he I think he only allowed one or two runs total in those two uh, hmm. in those two games back in April. So we have that, and then Tuesday night is Blake Snell, who also pitched uh, his pitched fairly well against the Dodgers. Didn't go too deep into the games. But pitch well. The Dodgers have really struggled against left-handed pitching for most of the uh, for most of the season. And then Wednesday night is um, it's, so that's Snell against Kershaw, and then Bauer against Joe Musgrove in the uh, in the Wednesday night game. And Musgrove had that we I th- had that weird game in L.A. I think where he pitched three innings, only gave up one run, I believe, but threw about you know 220 pitches in those three in those three innings and had to come out of the game. And that's the last time these teams saw each other. The Padres left Nick Ramirez out there to sort of get battered around because the bullpen was wiped out. And I think there was one of those games where, well, you know, if we lose, we lose, you know, we're getting out of here. And then amazingly, they came back and won the game. 
and uh, and won and won three out of four, and it gave him the the four three lead in the uh, in the series. So so many great things happened in that in that series. The Cronenworth double play happened back then. What what else? Uh, what, what else do you remember? The fact that it was so tense. The fact that I, yeah. I can't remember the exact numbers. Uh, kind of rehashed it today in the newsletter. Um, that. The, the fact that it was it was so close almost the whole entire series and it was close late in games. I think there were a couple scores that, that one, the first game, the extra inning game where the Dodgers uh, piled on in the 11th that, that, you know, was skewed completely. And then there was one where the Padres, I think it was the Friday night game one by four, but that was late as well. Every game was close, like not just the final score, but throughout. Hey, that was the thing, as you said, the, the individual moments that were, they were incredible. The, it was the fact that, wow. And, and so as I'm thinking here, I'm going, it can't possibly like this series can't possibly be as good. Well, we didn't keep, we didn't think like the next night could, could yeah. live up to the previous night in those first seven games. And like I said, because it was seven and 10, it really felt like one series. Uh, now, fortunately for the Padres, they had what, two days off in the next four after that, that uh, final game in, in, uh, LA and they do have a day off after this uh, one too if it does get to be uh, intense like that you know they did have to use uh, a few more relievers yesterday so it looks like you'll see uh, you could possibly see Nick Ramirez again you can see the debut of Mason Thompson two relievers Mm -hmm. that were called up yesterday Um, Mason Thompson now I believe will be your hardest throwing reliever uh, probably by far and so it's um, going to be, uh, you know, interesting to see what I think is happening here. Jay is uh, the Padres are trying to see what uh, what they have uh, in their bullpen because, right. you know, the trade deadline is a month and a half away or a little less than that. And, and yeah. so we're starting to see some uh, in addition to the fact that their their bullpen is, you know, and you can see it in some of the results. Uh, guys like Tim Hill, Mark Melanson even has been getting a lot of uh, rest. Uh, Craig Stammen, he's not getting any rest, but he's pitched a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're, they, they're getting a little, uh, you know, look, you knew they were going to go through the season with a, a sub two ERA. Uh, so it'll be, look, there's a lot of things that are going to, they just swept the, the Reds who, okay, great. They had been hot, but they're, they're not one of the better teams in the league. Uh, they're facing three really good pitchers. Urias has not been as good recently, uh, but right. still it's like every pitcher except Snell has a three and a half ERA or lower uh, in this, in this series uh, for both teams, every starting pitcher. Uh, yeah. They're going to face Kershaw and Bauer who goes six or seven innings every time out. Almost mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, three or fewer runs almost every one of those times. Musgrove, to me, has be, has been number two right behind you, Darvish, uh, in terms of a guy who you can be fairly certain when he goes out there, he's going to give you six, possibly seven. Um, I, I, I'm just I, like, I can't wait. This is, this is going to be no, a lot I, of fun. I know one guy the Dodgers will be happy not to see is Ryan Weathers. Um, who has who's pitched well against them in two of those two of those seven games? Uh, Weathers, I think those were his first two major league starts, if I remember uh, correctly. Yep. And uh, he was he was outstanding in in both of them. Uh, he won't be uh, he won't be here. I think the Dodgers, and especially they'll be happy he's not here when Bellinger and Muncie, I believe, will, will probably both be activated during the series. I saw something today that said both of them are expected back either Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so I'm not sure which which days we'll uh, uh, we'll see them. But you know the Dodgers are are they were struggling for a while. But I I looked they're 26 and 10 
since May the 11th. So that includes uh, winning 10 of their last 12. They have not been playing the best teams. So it's a step up in class for them as well. They've, those 12 were against the Pirates, the Rangers, the Phillies, and the Diamondbacks. But as I said, they also have been playing without guys like Bellinger and Muncie, along with Corey Seager, who will not be back in time for that. That's Those are three pretty good players that, uh, that they're doing without. So, I mean, you, you talk about the, the Padres have had some injury issues. I mean, the Dodgers have really have really had them with those guys and their offense just keeps, you know, those guys miss games. And I think their offense is still second in the majors and runs scored. They still find a way, whoever's in the lineup to grind out, you know, to grind out runs. Albert Pujols has been really good. Uh, I never would have expected that. I'm sure we'll see him tomorrow night uh, against Snell. I'm not, and, and probably, you know, maybe in a pinch hitting uh, situation. One thing we should mention, and the fact that Bauer's coming here, and has been so outspoken about it is tonight starts the the great crackdown, the Manfred crackdown against these substance, substances that pitchers are using. And it just sounds like Major League Baseball has made a mess of this situation. And, you know, you, you talked to Joe Musgrove last week about it, and he had some good things to say about And I've seen other pitchers talk about it around the league where this whole idea of, of going from being able to use something to being able to use absolutely nothing right in the middle of the season, you know, same baseball. And now you're not going to let us use anything to get a little better grip on it. So that's going to be something to watch over this week and and not to pick on Bauer, but I think with all the pitchers, because, because look, let's be honest, probably what 80% of guys, 75, 80% of guys were using some, I'm not saying they're all using, you know, spider tack or whatever. I'm right. That kind of stuff, but they're using some, yes. it was just raw rosin and sunscreen mix, just something to get a little bit of a grip on the baseball. And, uh, and, and the, you know, that the umpires aren't prepared for this. I mean, these guys can't see, these guys can't see a play that happens two feet in front of them. And now you're going to ask them to be judge and jury on, what a guy, you know, what kind of sweat this guy, you know, this guy has on the mound. I, I, I'm really curious how this works out and, and almost, almost cringing with oh. what's going to happen because somebody, somebody's going to get tossed from a game here. Uh, and it may be in San Diego. It may be in Pittsburgh. It may be in Miami or whatever, but something's going to happen. And I think it's going to cause problems. Uh, around. It seems it seems inevitable, and I generally push back on that because we, the media and fans, uh, generally when there's some sort of change, a rule change or, or something happens, we predict Armageddon, and it doesn't happen. Or if it happens, it's brief, it's this blip, and then everybody adjusts because rules are the rules. I just don't, from talking with people and, and thinking about how this is going to go, an umpire must check a starting pitcher. I think it's at least like twice. Uh, it's a reliever at least once. Um, and the fact that, you know, you could conceivably have sweat mixed with rosin and, and you know, look the same as sunscreen with rosin and it's on the forearm or the wherever. And then a guy gets tossed and he's out 10 games and his team can't replace him. And the umpire was the only arbiter of the, I mean, it's mind boggling. Right. Right. That this could happen. And and so I'm almost like I, I, I'm not even pushing back. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a mess. I, I really. Wow. And in the middle of the season. And then you see, I, I believe that uh, uh, Pierce Johnson, his little as uh, triceps issue. 
there was a suggestion by Jace Tingler that, uh, you know, pitchers are sore. Pierce Johnson's on the uh, IL after pitchers have been gearing up for this, throwing bullpens, throwing in games without right. anything. And I'm not, Pierce Johnson's not a cheater. Uh, Joe right. Musgrove's not a cheater. Now, I guess if you're going to go by the, the biblical, uh, you know, the black and white <laughs> of, well, it says not to use anything. If you're using something, you were cheating. Well, since the beginning of time, Players have been mixing sweat or or they wear sunscreen when it's sunny out. Now, if you've got sunscreen on in Tropicana Field or whatever it's called right now, um, <laughs> then, uh, you know, you're That's probably maybe skirting the rules a little bit. Right, but these right. guys have just been using a little something. Uh, that's basically naturally occurring. They give them a rosin bag and now you're going to zero um, injuries, injuries. Uh, suspensions without like any sort of ability to appeal. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away, Jay. I really am. And I'm not a guy who gets blown away by this. As a matter of fact, like I said, I push back from, Hey, calm down, everybody. We're going to be okay. This seems awful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I look, we say I'd love to be wrong. uh, And, and, you know, so let's, let's see what happened. And maybe, maybe nothing happens and maybe nothing happens at the beginning. Maybe it happens at the beginning and it dies down. I, I don't know, but it's definitely, something worth keeping an eye on um, this week around the league and and especially here. And I, I do think, like you said, you mentioned whether a guy's a cheater or not. I mean, I think it's going to be too bad when there are certain guys who are probably going to get busted on this who are innocently using what everybody's been using. There are other guys who are going to get busted because they really were cheating and using this stuff um, that, you know, created extra spin and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you, you hate to see somebody sort of get branded uh, like that, and everybody's going to be eager to brand somebody a cheater um, when they might have been doing something that everybody else was doing. But anyway, well, maybe, hopefully yeah. we're wrong. Hopefully, hopefully nothing happens. Hopefully, there's no maybe the umpires surprise us and they are extremely yeah. judicious. I mean, exactly. You know. Yeah, because there, if there's anything that umpires usually are, it's judicious and. <laughs> And willing to look the other way. And I mean, just look at the Joey Votto case the other day. I mean, that that was a perfect example of how umpiring is supposed to work, right? I mean, I mean, that was uh that's probably right out of their textbook, you know. When a guy's walking away from you and talking to some other umpire, you should get involved because that's what they teach you at umpire school or something. I don't know. Anyway, let's hope for a great series. We said before it's it's impossible to think. After I remember after the first series at Petco, we said, boy, the series in LA can't possibly live up to what we saw at Petco. And yet every game, uh, every game did. So let's hope that these three continue the series and then we'll come back on, on Friday and, uh, and, and talk about the Diamondbacks. Oh, yay. Oh my gosh. I had forgot about that. I can't wait. (laughs) Thank you, everybody.